Welcome to the Open Door Podcast. My name is John. I'm a pastor at the Open Door and the executive director of a ministry called Garfield Community Farm. And uh, if you know the Open Door, you know the farm well. And this week's podcast is a sermon from this past Sunday on Romans chapter 13. So take a listen. It's uh, it's a good one, I think. Um, having fun getting into Romans and uh, coming to a better understanding of Paul and Paul's writing through the book of Romans. Um, our liturgist last Sunday was Lisa Collier. That's who is reading our scripture here. Today's reading is from Romans 13, 8 through 14. Owe no one anything except to love one another, for the love for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. Besides this, you know what time it is, how it is now the moment for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we became believers. The night is far gone, the day is near. Let us then lay aside the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us live honorably as in the day, not in reveling and drunkenness, not in debauchery and lusciousness, not in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. The word of the Lord. So we read our scripture a couple minutes ago, Romans 13. And, uh, you know, one of the things I'm reminded of often when I read scripture is just how many different voices there are in our scriptures. So right now, Romans, we're reading Paul and we're hearing words that he put on paper 2,000 years ago. Um, but there are many voices within our scriptures. And not all the voices that we read exactly, precisely agree with each other. Each writer is in a context, a specific time and place, writing for the church or writing for the Jewish people of that time and place. And so we get diversity in our scriptures. Jesus, Paul, John, who we've read a lot this summer, and Matthew, Peter, all of the Old Testament writers, 
They all have very different ways of telling their stories and connecting the story of their community with God's story and what God was doing. And that's one of the things that I love about, about our scriptures is they are full of diversity. But even with such a diverse set of voices in our scriptures, we find so much cohesion in certain areas. Today's scripture reminds us of one of the primary areas of cohesion in the New Testament. And it, it reaches even into the Old Testament. And it pulls all of that diversity together. Love your neighbor as yourself. Paul begins with the idea of being indebted to others. Have you ever, have you ever felt that you owed you owed something to somebody and you were going to have trouble giving it back? Like maybe it was somebody just did something for you and you felt like, I almost wish they didn't do that because I feel like I owe them something. It can be a really negative feeling sometimes. Or maybe it's financial debt or debt to your parents or I don't know. I think we've all had that feeling like we owe something to somebody and it's it's a negative hard stressful feeling to owe for some people the feeling of owing something is a burden can you can you imagine if you kept track of every way that someone else gave to you and and you felt like you had to make it equal that would be a great burden. And I know people who feel like that. They don't like to be given, even out of generosity, because it creates that, that economy of owing, of being in debt. Maybe some of you have been in bad financial debt and not known how to get out of it. Maybe you're there now and it's a really hard, stressful thing. Paul says, Forget about what you think you owe to others. Forget about what you think others owe you. In the church, we love one another, and we do it with equity. Love your neighbor as yourself. The writer and disciple John says that God is love. So this is how John fits in. John continually is saying, God is love. Therefore, love one another. God is love. Therefore, love each other. Love one another. Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. And then Paul quotes Jesus here in, the, in Romans 13. And then throughout, throughout our scriptures, in, through the Old Testament, we learn that we're to love our neighbors. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. The words of Jesus. What Paul suggests about loving your neighbor, though, it's really interesting. There's, there's some, some nuggets in here that, that are really interesting to me. So I want to, I want to think about these a little bit. He says, verse, uh, verse 10 of chapter 13. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. 
So Paul's bringing in the way that we have been indebted to the law. That's what he's talking about here is we're indebted to the law. We had to get things right in the law. Um, but Paul says love is the fulfilling of the law. What I'm seeing here is that fulfilling the law is equal to doing no wrong to your neighbor. So Paul says, love does no wrong today to your neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. What Paul means, what, what, what do you think he means when he says this? The law, summed up as Jesus and Paul and John, all kind of sum it up, is about loving your neighbor as yourself. Treating your neighbor as you would want to be treated. All religious Jewish people of the first century probably felt a great sense of debt for the ways they had, had failed to fully practice the law. I think many Christians who misunderstand the work of Jesus feel a great deal of guilt and shame around the ways that we, um, that we can't fulfill our own laws that the Christian church has almost constructed without Jesus' permission. <laughs> um, we call it sin. Uh, we've, we've not been able to live life the way that we think Jesus wants us to live. Like each sin should be paid back. We feel in debt. We feel that feeling of that we might get when we, when we owe something and we can't pay it back and we feel guilty about it. For the church, all of the law is fulfilled through love. So Paul's idea that we pursue acts of loving others, loving our neighbor, is really a countercultural way of thinking. It's really a radical thing. I actually think love in this context, it, there's a sense of justice to it. It's not just like a good feeling, love the people who already love you and you're closest to. It's love your neighbor and keep going. Love your enemy, Jesus says. I think it's about justice. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Do unto others as you have them do to you is about justice and equity. It's about people having access to the same rights and dreams and opportunity. Fulfillment of the law is about giving all people the same benefits of wellness and wholeness and abundance that we find in Christ and that the church is supposed to provide for one another. Not because the church is supposed to dole out money, but the individuals who make up the body of Christ support one another and support beyond one another. Love your neighbor as yourself is a radical act. It's not some pious platitude. It's not something for Christian cards that we get at the Christian bookstore. Like, that's not it. Are there still Christian bookstores? Love your neighbor as yourself is the most radical command that Jesus gives us. 
I think it'll turn the world upside down if we really loved our neighbors as we want to be loved, as we want um, wholeness and wellness and to have peace in our lives, to have fulfillment in our lives. We want that. How do we provide that and help others have that in their lives? That would turn the world upside down if the church were about providing that or, or creating that for one another and then into our neighborhoods. Not because a government forces us, not because laws force us, but because the people of God can't exist without the demonstration of God's love for each and every human being that we connect with. The only thing God wants us to owe to others, according to Paul, is what? Love. The only thing we're indebted to, to give out, the only thing is love. We continually owe all people our love. Why? Because we're always receiving it from each other. in the church, when the church is functioning well. Loving our neighbor is our radical act that will turn the world upside down. Paul wants us to, to, to make right with all those other debts that we may have. I think so all of our motives are based on love and not because we owe anybody anything. It's previously... Uh, in chapter, the beginning of chapter 13 and in chapter 12, Paul is talking about governments and living within a government and um, respecting uh, and, and being at peace and respecting um, the cultures that we live within. And so we, we, we want to be not tied to them and not indebted to those things. But it's a bit unrealistic for us today to like get to, to not be in any debt. I think many of us struggle with that, and our world is built around the capitalist system based on going into debt, paying it off. But so for us it's hard. But we can still work toward understanding the debt of love and not being tied to systems that would warp our love for the world. We're all indebted to love others because Christ first loved us. I think Paul wants us to demonstrate love to one another and the world constantly, receiving love and giving it. It's almost like it's, it's a, a countercultural economy of love that we're being called into. Because Paul's talking about economic things and debt. And then he says, in the church, our economy is love. What this can look like in real life is simple practices, like learning to, to listen to one another. That can be really hard, to listen to one another. To give of our time when others need a friend or need help with whatever it may be, to be attuned to each other. 
communities of faith exist to love and support each other and then to work that out into our neighborhoods and into our world, into our cities. I think there are two main reasons that people are leaving the church today. And we know like the church all over the United States, all over Europe, many parts of the world, the church is just losing people. I think there are two reasons. One, church leaders don't know what to do with those of us uh, working through deconstruction and coming to, to, to know God in ways that the church uh, isn't comfortable with. Well, I, I think we're, we as a church are doing pretty good with that. I think we've always created a, a place where you can ask questions and struggle and still find a place um, of belonging. But I think that's why many churches are losing. It's like, are losing, are losing members. But the second thing, I think, I think we, in most churches, struggle to really live out this call to love one another. Most of the people that I know who have left the open door, there's been some sort of relational disconnect. And they say, I just didn't have what I needed for whatever reason. Not because they're going through deconstruction like most churches are losing folks, but because they've lost connection. Or they came to our church for a short time and never got connected, never felt the love that they needed. Why is that? I'll try to give a I'll try to give a little a little definition. Um, deconstruction can look like oh man many different things for different people, but it's going through times of doubt and really struggling with our faith especially for those of us who came up in um, really kind of fundamentalist, really rigid ways of being the church and believing, and then kind of find those not quite uh, matching up to our experience of God. Um, and so we have to pull those pieces apart. And a lot of churches aren't, um, aren't so good at allowing young people to do that. And that's uh, I pray that we can be a church where you can begin to put some pieces back together and let go of the ones that we don't need. Um, but loving one another is something that we do really well and sometimes we fail to do. Loving one another. The second half of this passage continues by saying that our actions in the world how we love one another, how we live rightly within our cultural settings, how we live out our morals matter. It's about the action of our love, the second half of today's passage. Paul says we should live as if everything we do is known to all others. 
We're to live as though we are in daylight. Live as though we're in daylight, not in the night. Therefore, we live morally, not hiding anything. Our actions in the world bear witness to the love of God. When our actions are, or our lifestyle, who we are on a day-to-day basis are either just in the shadows because we don't think they matter, or there are things in our lives that we're ashamed of and we want to push those things down but not deal with them. I think that's what Paul is talking about. And in that circumstance, we can't bear witness to the love of Christ in the world. Our actions in the world bear witness to the love of God. Or our actions can overshadow and distort the picture of God that the church uh, needs to show into the world. Just this week, um, Alyssa and I are watching a documentary on Hulu about the downfall of Hillsong, uh, this church in um, Australia and New Zealand. Has anybody heard of Hillsong? For those who didn't raise your hand, um, you've sung their songs because we used to sing them. And I can't stand over here and sing their songs anymore because it, it would be unethical for me to do that. Um, Hillsong, uh, in this documentary, they start with a guy, pastor in New York, named Carl Lenz. And just a few years ago, he was preaching seven services on a Sunday in mega church, like big time mega church, New York City. Nobody thought you could do a mega church in New York City. Maybe they did. Are there any mega church, lots of mega churches in New York City? There's a few? Okay. So this was a huge one, and it was like lights and smoke and rock and roll show, and this guy was like everybody wanting to be like him. He was the pastor, Justin Bieber. I think he did his baptism. It was a big deal. But the overwhelming stress in his life and the desire that he had for fame and success and power created lots of shadow that you learn about in this documentary. And he's actually a part of the documentary and shares what happened. When the truth about Lenz came into the daylight, his career just completely crushed. His family nearly fell apart. And then you learn, and and there's a whole lot more that went on. He was kind of a pawn um, with a lot of terrible, terrible things that happened um, through this megachurch in Australia. Really, really sad stuff. But it's about darkness and existing in the darkness. Hiding parts of who we are The Carl Lenz story reminds me that God is not interested in our success or in our prestige or power. That's what so many of us don't realize. God is interested in your humble pursuit of love. And we know that God is love, as John teaches us. God is interested in you becoming more loving, which means you're becoming more like Jesus. Humble, just as Jesus was humble. So in our scriptures, the whole of it, we have this 
diverse, these diverse voices that all stream toward God as love. The pursuit of love in the world brings about God's kingdom in powerful ways. Love your neighbor as yourself is a powerful, countercultural, revolutionary thing to really live into. If you in the church pursue love in this way, but, but we can do it. And when we do, when we do pursue love, love of neighbor, love of each other, love for those who are suffering, love in a way that we seek out those who need it, we find that we are in fact pursuing God because God is love. Let's pray. God, this... Um, this pursuit of love in the world is not easy. And yet you say that our burden is light. So we give this burden that we have in our hearts to love you and to love others. God, we, we give that to you because we, we can't do anything on our own. So God, help us to be a community that sees each other, really sees each other, and how we can be there for one another, how we can love one another, how we can love our neighbors. And as we do that, as you allow us to do that, let us love you and be drawn deeper into you. God, we pray for our world. We hold this world to you. God, there is so much that comes to mind. So we pray that we would be just a small, small, small beacon of love, of your love in the world of your kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven, that you would build that for us and in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us uh, and listening in today. If you'd like to join us in person, please come on out. On a Sunday morning, we meet at a school called the Neighborhood Academy. It's in uh, kind of on the border of the Stanton Heights and Garfield neighborhood on North Aiken Avenue. We'd love to have you. We meet at 10 o'clock for a uh, fellowship half hour, donuts, coffee, um, and worship starts at 10.30. Welcome to come anytime, uh, anytime in there. Kids, families, very much welcome. Um, we are a multi-generational community. and really value uh, people of all ages being a part uh, of our church. Hope to see you. If you can't make it in person, though, you can join on our uh, our Zoom, um, and you can find info on that, a link for that, on our website, pghopendoor.net. 
Finally, the music that you hear is uh, our band that we call Project 68, um, at least in this rendition, this, this recording. Um, these are songs that we do in worship that are written for the open door. Uh, this is a song called Psalm 134. You can find a bunch of our music on uh, Apple, iTunes, Apple Music, Spotify, wherever, under Project 6.8. Hope you enjoy it. Mm-hmm. 